Hey guys, sorry for the delay. <laughs> Welcome to California Haunts Radio. It's Wednesday night, and we've got a great guest for you. Um, Farrah Rose D Deal is going to be on, and uh, she's having trouble hooking in. So we're going to see how we're going to do this. We may have to do this via phone. So uh, give us a couple minutes. But in the meantime, my name is Charlotte, and I am your host, and I'll be your host for the next hour. And I am the owner and operator of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 35 strong up and down the state of California, Oregon, Washington, Oregon, and Hawaii. Ah, here we go. I see you're coming in. Terrific. Anyway, um, we've got a great guest for you tonight. Um, we're going to be talking with a demonologist. And, uh, excuse me, get to learn what, what, what a demonologist does. Didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry, guys. Great lunch at Applebee's. Um, and uh, I'm really excited. So uh, without further ado, let's get this let's get this show on the road. Hello. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? <laughs> well, you know, I got my green screen up. My son is like, oh, my gosh, Mom, we're, we're figuring it out. I got to fix my camera here. Hey, everybody. I'm here. <laughs> I made it. You're How's there. A little bit better. Less glare. You can see my nose hair, my regular hair. How are you? I'm good. I was, in fact, I didn't know if you were going to get on with the camera, so I was getting the other mic ready to go for the phone. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, you know, the thing of it is, okay, I am so challenged. I mean, when it comes to closing my eyes or seeing anything, I can see anything. But when it comes to, okay, click here, push there, there's the mic. I asked for my son to help. I'm serious. Ken was the genius at doing what you're doing. Yeah. I, I am just, I am so challenged. I'm a button pusher. You know, I'm one of these people, even with a computer, I don't read the instructions. I just plug it all in and I start pushing buttons and hope, and hope to God that I get it right. Oh, I hear you. You're not getting any feedback, are you? Nope. Perfect. Because my son set it up so I could listen to you because I don't, I don't talk. I gesticulate, you know? <laughs> And I've if I have headphones up. on, I'm going to be smacking myself. <laughs> I've blown up more computers, trust me. Oh, mercy. In fact, this is a brand new computer here because I blew the other one up. That's just how oh, I am. Oh, my gosh. I run so much on my computers and stuff. And then, you know, like I said, I'm a button pusher, so I don't do instructions. Wow. Well, you know, I'm the same way. If it says it can be put together, I'm just I'm jamming it and sticking it and hammering it. Mm -hmm. There yeah. you go. We'll figure it out, you know. You well, for my crowd, I see, I, I see in the chat room some of your, some of your crowd. Sweet. Now, for my crowd who don't know who you are, tell us who you are. All right. Well, who am I? The fifty thousand dollar question. Well, I am not your average Joe. I am um, an individual that has. You know, Charlotte, I was just talking to an exorcist the other day about this. Who am I? I have a specific ability. You know how some people in a household, there's only one dog, but one person will always step in that pile that the dog leaves. That's it. I'm the person. <laughs> <laughs> Hands up. It's dog poo. Uh, so, you know, who am I? For whatever reason, I don't ever look. I don't look for haunts. I don't look for demons. I don't look for ghosts. I don't look for that stuff. It finds me. I so, see. yeah, well, ever since I was a child. So, and that's what um, a lot of people find in a commonality is that they think, well, you know, I had 
this oppression, Charlotte, I had this experience, I had that experience. Well, you know, this happened to me. And my in in my trying to encourage and help people, Charlotte, understand some of the things they've been experiencing, I want them to know that experience alone does not mean that you can handle the dark side on a daily basis, fight it off, and still add two plus two, boil your tea, take care of your life, and not be completely off your medication, which fortunately I am. <laughs> I'm kidding. Never been on a medication. But however, there's been times I probably should have been on. So I am, uh, shall we say, a lot of people call people psychics and stuff like that. I'm not a psychic and I really don't want to call myself a mystic. I have, uh, I have some great guardian angels that say, that's not right. And that's not right. And that's not right. And I have the ability to see when things are not right. Let me just put it that way. So what does that make me? That makes me a person with some sort of extrasensory perception. Mm-hmm. And that led me to helping people in the field of cults. Um, and I'm talking about alternate lifestyles, satanic cults, Charlotte. Um, just, you know, soft, soft, cushy things to actual down and out. Let's sign contracts and call in as many demons as we possibly can. That started in high school to um, college to living with uh, um as someone that was wanted for mass murder. And you would think I would have seen this. However, I saw the darkness, but when God wants you to learn a lesson, it's almost as if you have, it's almost as if you have blinders over your eyes so that you learn the lesson and you don't do that again. So demonology, I didn't realize I was a demonologist until I moved here and I married Ken. He had um, this fabulous book, and um, I want to say hi to everybody that joined us from Facebook. Thank you for joining us. He actually had so many experiences with ghosts, and that was what was the great thing about our little team up. Mm-hmm. He was ghosts. I was the rotten things. Because even though I'm familiar with ghosts, I understand ghosts. I understand the nature of what people may call a vapor, a mist, and stuff like that. I understand the nature of it. I also understand the nature that some some go, Charlotte, you can't pray them away. You can't pray them into the light. You can't pray them into heaven because for whatever reason, God's permissible will keeps it here. Mm-hmm. It keeps that image that we cannot connect with. We cannot talk to. Whereas on the other hand, like Ken wrote in his books, there are human type spirits that are being used by the dark side, by demons that we think we're communicating with and we're actually communicating with a dark side. Mm-hmm. My, uh, who I am is I am one of those people that I can get to the heart of the matter in the negative sense that there is, there's deep, usually deep psychological scarring and damage and or um, addiction and or self-harm that calls into play an attraction for the dark. So that's how I found out that all these years I'd been studying, and that's what demonology is. Mm-hmm. You study what their footprint is. Uh, how are the people acting? How are they reacting? What is their persona, Charlotte? Um, what are what are the clues that they're giving off that they've been infected, infested, oppressed? What is what is the outline of their house? Whereas ghosts are Jeez, a ghost is kind of like Fruit Loops, whereas demons, you know, you're looking at the rotted corpses sitting in the box going, come play with me. It, it just reeks. <laughs> it's totally different. So I am a person that is usually called to find out where the source of the rot is. You know, did it come directly farm fresh? <laughs> Was it conjured out in an open field? Was it ordered up on the website. I think I'll try one of these handy dandy little contracts so that I can get any job and any man I want or any woman I want. (laughs) A lot of times people don't realize Charlotte and that's how can help me understand who I am. I do believe that all the horrible stuff that I've experienced in my life 
brought me to not only the study of demonology, mm-hmm. but to a, a place where I can help people see the tools they can use to help themselves get out of the darkness. So in a sense, that's my forte as a deliverance counselor, minister, um, a lay Christian helper type person. I'm Catholic. And I use a lot of Catholic tools to help people and a lot of prayers and stuff like that. And we can go over all that later because I, too, have some really cool stuff on YouTube. If you guys want to know more about demonology and exorcism, Swords of St. Michael. Yep. Here we are. Sure, sure, sure. Did that explain demonology enough to people you think, Charlotte? Yes. Yes. Cool. Also, we want to clarify, too, is that you're not an exorcist. No, you're a demonologist. No, no. That's, but that, can I can I thank you first for having me on? Absolutely, I am so honored to be here. I'm I honored that you're here. I don't I don't do a lot of interviews. You're the only third one since Ken died because, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, why don't you come on the show? Why don't you come on that show?" There really has to be something. There has to be something that has to be said. And for whatever reason tonight, we're going to get into it. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) It was a crazy day here. And I know it was a crazy day for you. But hey, look, no bumps so far. Yeah, it's clear as a bell, too. I can't believe it. I know, I know, I know. It's like, and I did, you know, I was going to have some holy, blessed, exercised incense in the background. (laughs) And I have like, I've got like, I was going to get my my squirt gun up. I got my exercised water. And all of a sudden, my friend who I, I've been telling, I've been texting everybody that, you know, your show is getting off the ground, et cetera, et cetera. My friend says, look forward to seeing you in 10 minutes. I'm like, hmm, I don't have my makeup on or nothing. Are you crazy? Oh, yeah, we're going live in eight minutes. I says, what? No, so, I thought of that, too. All I have on, the, on my table here is a medicine bag. That's oh, it. Really? And that's all I have. Yeah. I was thinking I was going to put salt around and, you know, surround myself and all this. Mm-hmm. That's what I got oh, in the yeah. medicine bag. Well, sometimes you just don't know. You really don't know. So people, okay. If you don't, if you do not, if you do not have a prayer that you pray when you go to bed tonight, if you do not have um, something, you know, your Bible, your teddy bear that your grandma blessed, if you don't have something that you hold on to, I'm going, I'm going to tell you right now that curiosity is the number one invitation for demonic infestation and oppression. So I just want to say a little prayer for you. If you're here by curiosity and you're thinking, well, this might be interesting to know, you know, about demons, about exorcism. My intention is not to make it interesting for you so much as to help you get a clearer understanding where the guidelines are. So may Jesus, Mary and Joseph watch over each one of you that are listening to this. And I pray that it helps you in some way. Now, to your question, Charlotte, the confusion in what is an exorcist and what is a deliverance minister goes directly to the definition and expectations. Because as you know, you can call a deliverance minister that may have a pay-for-play card that says, you know, uh, a reverend, I don't know, reverend Carmody and you know I am a um, deliverance minister and I work as an exorcist I must explain to your audience that it is even though I'm Catholic I you know I have worked with almost all denominations including Muslims okay the term exorcism is used exclusively and has been used for thousands of years by the Catholic Church for a reason. They open the office specifically for priests, and there were priests. As a matter of fact, exorcist is on the bottom rung. As priests are trained, as men are anointed and ordained into the priesthood, it goes deacon, exorcist, priest so it's one of like the most important things it's one of the most important parts of a priest training is how satan works in this world Mm -hmm. and how he operates and how he is going to affect a priest's flock how he's going and it was taken out of 
and I mean that the classes for exorcism, the whole history and everything else was has been removed from the basic education of your priests from 1970 to I think about 2000, I don't know, please somebody help me out. I think about maybe 2001, 2005 is when they started bringing them back because they're realizing that a lot of priests, well, Satan just doesn't operate in the world like that. Nope, mm -hmm. I don't think Satan is around, you know? Nope, we don't do exorcisms. And it's not, and I don't want anybody getting a bad idea about any pastor or any priest. Pastors and priests are limited to what they've been exposed to and what they know. The Catholic Church uses the term exorcism because that is their tradition and their history. Other churches may use the term exorcism, but it is not the same. The Office of Exorcism has minor and major rights. See how thick that book is? Let's see if I can get that. See how thick that book is? Wow. This isn't even, this is an official one that was put together by Father Ripperger. However, um, the ones they've used before that is even bigger than this and has more lengthy prayers. Now, other, other churches have done a very good job with deliverance. Other churches successfully deliver. I mean, we have incidents in the Bible where Christ is telling the apostles, don't, don't tell them to stop kicking out the demon. If they're for us, they're not against us. Uh -huh. This is not, uh, it's not deliverance and exorcism is not a competition. You guys, exorcism is the correct terminology used for exorciso, the removal, the imperative commanding as Christ steps into the priest and the priest becomes the representative of Christ, Christ is removing the demon. It's never the man. It's never the priest. That is Christ. Because the priest, understanding his own inability to fight the supernatural demon, there's no way, Charlotte, that mm -hmm. you or I or any man can stand next to a demon and say, hey, get out of here without the help of our God. Period. Mm -hmm. There's just no way. I mean, if you do not believe in that higher power, you are subject to the rules of this world. And it's not a very easy world to live in. So exorcism is specifically used by the Catholic Church. Like I said, other places may use it. It does not have the same connotation. They may have similar deliverance prayers. They may have similar garb. Um, since the exorcist became popular, do you remember that movie? Yes. That oh, yeah. movie back in the 70s that scared the the jinkies out of everybody because i mean it was it was incredibly shall we say overhyped although you know it happens quite a bit during an exorcism or deliverance that people's jaws go like this and their eyeballs like you know start looking like they're going on one side of your head or their their head cricks in weird ways it, it this happens the pea soup is a little bit of a stretch because the majority of the time when I see people puke, it's usually weird stuff like, I don't know, like tacks or um, chunks of like alphabet soup. Like they didn't even eat it. Ugh. The pea soup was a stretch. The pea soup was a stretch. However, well, let's talk about deliverance for a minute because there are really good deliverance ministers. And then you have some deliverance ministers that think, you know, put your quarter in the pinball and you're going to be free. Right. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of those out there. And their popularity is just like, remember when they started the whole 1-800-Psychics line, sweetie? Remember that? I remember those, yeah. Come on! Uh, let's see, you're wearing a red dress, and you would like a red Ferrari, and you want a man with black hair and tall, right? And yeah, you gave him another $20, another $50. When am I going to get their new job? Well, sadly, we know that in the realm of the supernatural, it's not, I'm calling you, you have to get it out now. It is a participatory event. In other words, if you invited it, you have to help get rid of it. And I think that, um, you know, being a deliverance minister, if you look at the difference to deliver is to basically... If I were to deliver your groceries, I bring your groceries to you. 
to deliver someone from spirits, you know, um, evil spirits, preternatural spirits, uh, um, offending spirits, even if, you know, if, if it's a house and you're going to, you're going to attempt a deliverance, number one, you better be darn sure, darn sure you do not have any major crimes on your conscience, any offenses that you've hurt or done bad things to other people the devil's a legalist and deliverance ministers that do do a good job they use separate prayers than the office of exorcism which in case people don't know i do work for the office of exorcism officially and in deliverance every church whether it is um you know just a non-denominational charlotte whether it is Episcopal, Lutheran, Baptist, they don't have so much an office of deliverance. However, as Christ said, every priest, every pastor is called to exercise, to adjure, to implore that that spirit leave his sheep. They may call it deliverance and they may call it exorcism. Mm -hmm. However, if they're called to serve Christ and serve God in the kingdom, they are called. And in deliverance, as we know, uh, it is, it's done quite differently. Many people think that either somebody has been oppressed, they have a mild infestation, or let's say they've got full-blown possession because they are working hand-in-hand, hand, whatever it is that is, you know, oppressing them. <laughs> and they just, you know, they just, they love it so much, they cannot get enough of it. However, there is, like I said, it, it is one-on-one. -on -one. The deliverance minister and the person requesting to be free of whatever it is. The exorcist and the individual. You do get the rare cases where you have um, like somebody that is mentally or emotionally challenged that mm -hmm. cannot fully participate, but that knows they don't want to be um, hurt, bit, kicked, um, punched. They don't want bad dreams anymore. And they may only be able to do the minimum prayer. It's still, it's still people working in tandem and deliverance is no different across the board. Mm -hmm. And the difference is, is not only, um, it is not only the office, but it is the, it is the difference of the approach and how they handle it and how long they will go to actually continue the prayers before they try a different approach or they try maybe a different pastor or maybe they try something completely that you would never think. I do have to tell you a funny little story, though. When I was researching stuff for a book, because I'm actually working on a couple different books, and I was looking at, you know, kind of the history of exorcism and stuff like that. I read that the Romans, when they thought somebody had spirits in them, and as you know, the Romans believed in many gods. Okay. So when they thought that somebody might have an oppression or a possession, they would throw them in a closet or room, dark, no food, no water for a minimum of three days. And they came wow. out fine. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So I hope that helps a little bit of deliverance. Did I kind of explain it enough? Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah. So you, um, you know, no. your background, you know, where you knew this is what you wanted to do. I didn't have a choice, really. It's not so much I didn't, I, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew that a lot of people had chosen a lot of really bad things for their life, Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And it was important to me to try and help them see that it wasn't so much what somebody had done to them or what a demon had done to them or what, you know, what had happened to them. It was their choice to step away from it and to step back. And take a look and say, I don't have to hold that hatred in my heart. I don't have to hold anger. And in a lot of cases that I've had, too, I have to say, Charlotte, not just curiosity invites the demonic entities and energies, 
It is the desire to control external forces to your own effect. Hence, we're talking, um, you know, the occult, witchcraft, um, scrying, astrology, all those things that we think that are, you know, I can handle anything if I can grab this to uh -huh. cure it or I can grab this to explain it. And sometimes that gets us in a little bit of trouble. Does that let's, make sense? Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. See, see now that you open that door, you know, people, you know, I, I once saw an Ouija board. I hate that word, Ouija board, in a toy store. That was ah. pink. It was, it was designed for little girls. It was, it was pink in color. Wow. Did, and were you just like shocked? I was shocked. In fact, I took a photo of it to show show everybody on my team. Ooh, because I couldn't believe they were, they, you know, the, they were marketing it. You know what I mean? Oh, I I know exactly what you mean. And that I'm I think we're seeing that across the board, and not just uh, not just Ouija boards. I hate to say it, because I mean. There, most of our audience here, okay, I'm almost 60 people, all right? <laughs> I go way back. So my memory of the origins of Ouija board does not go back to the, the early 1900s. But mm -hmm. however, I remember when my aunts, I, I think they were in college at the time, they brought home one of the first Ouija boards that Mattel made popular. Right. Um, it, was, it was made as a family fun game. Put your hand on it, talk to a spirit. My grandmother, oh, did she come unglued with the broom? Oh, Marcy. <laughs> like, I can still remember the look on the girls' faces going, oh. <laughs> yeah, they didn't bring one of those again. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I got allergies. When we're talking about a Ouija boards, as it has become mainstream, People think, oh, this is new that they're marketing it to our children and they're doing this and they're doing that. No. If we look at some of the oldest ads for the Ouija board, it showed two young lovers with their hands on the Ouija board on a date. That's from some of the earliest print of the Ouija board to find out, hmm, are we meant to be together? Uh, and this was just to be fun, nothing serious. So it was always kind of geared toward younger people. And when mm -hmm. we're talking about people dating back then, Charlotte, you know how it just today you think of people sitting around in college drinking and they're playing with a Ouija board. Then they were talking about two people one-on-one, -on -one, probably 16, 17, maybe, you know, with their, in their parents' house or whatever. And they are playing with a Ouija board. That is incredibly dangerous people. Now, so many people will say, well, you don't have, um, you don't have proof that anybody has ever been possessed, you know, by the Ouija board. And that's not necessarily true, but it's not necessarily false. Because by the time someone picks up an article like this, Charlotte, mm -hmm. to talk to an entity, they've already looked at different ways to get an answer to questions. The Ouija board, it's like, it's like I tell people, um, the Ouija board is not a gateway drug. The, the Ouija board is, is kind of one of those bigger ticket items they jump on because they haven't gotten a good response out of other things they've looked at. So when you give the legal right to any kind of spirit to infest your home, to infest your mind, to infest your being... You're just opening, it's like, do you remember the, the, the calendars for Christmas with all the little chocolates in it? Yeah. Just slamming open every single one of those windows. Come on in, come on in, come on in. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. That's what people look like. They look like Swiss cheese with slugs on them. Yeah, I said that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds kind of wrong and I'm sorry, but it's the truth. And I'm sure I look no different if somebody were looking at me what we're talking about though is is the the attraction and the enticement of these supernatural tools that mm -hmm. before people used ouija boards oh my gosh since uh i'm uh 
of Syrian Middle Eastern descent, I know a lot about some of the things that they used to use. They used to do tea leaf reading. One of the most common. Um, back in, and I'm talking about way back in maybe the first few centuries, they used to look when uh, a cow was freshly milked. They'd look at how the cream felt. Oh, how it felt over here. Oh, my gosh. And I mean, literally, how a cream looks in a bucket to determine who you're going to marry. Really? There's all sorts of methods. And this was, um, it, it was common pagan practice. And people call it pagan. It actually ought to be called provincial. Because if you look at it, you know, pagan is a term for, you know, peoples that, you know, worship multiple gods. You know, their worship is not supposedly divinely originating and centering on the one true God. So if you look at the provinciality of it, if you look at the provincial people, we're looking at superstitions and all sorts of ways, you know, that they would throw sticks. And there were so many ways to tell the future. They're out there. Wow. Yeah. If people, if people want to get into it, they can get into it pretty easily, Charlotte. Um, that's true, and and then so it's but it's not only Ouija boards. I mean, you're talking, you know, we're talking about, um, like you say, scrying. Yes, is another way tarot cards. Oh my gosh, yes. You know, people inviting stuff in, and you know, sometimes, and and the sad thing about it is that maybe the parents have this stuff, mm-hmm. and the kid gets it. How about um, parents that raise their children in Christian homes and have Buddhas by the door? Oh, rub the belly for good luck. <laughs> what is that? Huh? What is that? <laughs> it's superstition. I'm going to rub my own belly for good luck. Maybe they'll shrink if I rub it hard enough. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a sick sense okay. of humor. Okay. But yes, <laughs> a lot of times, you know, what you're pointing out is a very, very good point. Our original environment that we grow up in sets the stage for future choices, for future, and I'm not going to say failures because nobody's a failure in God's eyes, but it, it sets us up for painful choices that sometimes we don't know subconsciously that we're making. Mm-hmm. And our, our home environment, I used to have this thing on the wall, you know, about how how people raise their children. You know, if children are raised in an environment of shame, they grow up to be fearful and feeling ashamed. Mm -hmm. If, if children are raised with um, praise and, and moderated well to say, yeah, you messed that up, but you did good here, a balance, they grow up to be able to make pretty good choices for themselves. And it's rare that they make a really bad choice. However, since, you know, I, I'd say, because we can see choices like this in homes throughout the centuries Mm -hmm. and the family has always been um your your nest your your security and because you know i'm gonna get uh really christianity direct here Mm -hmm. this isn't our home and the prince of the air rules this earth so any home we think we have as family is bound to be under attack as long as it's full of peace and full of love Every single day. Mm -hmm. So that family unit, no matter who it is raising the children, we're going to have strife. We're going to have confusion. We're going to have chaos from time to time. And it's one of those, it's all of those things we have to fight because every single time a child wakes up and sees a man hit hit his mommy, Mm -hmm. he's going to develop a scar inside of him. Every time a little girl, um, you know, gets out of bed and the she sees the mother is sleeping with other man, a little scar hurts in her heart because she doesn't know what's wrong. When these children are left for hours at a time with no food, no adult supervising them, they don't know why they're abandoned. And these are kind of the most minimal. There's so much more that goes on in that in that family unit, in that family environment where it's not, um, it's not healthy in any way, shape or form, but from the outside, Charlotte, you know, you look at the teachers and you, you look at relatives, you look at neighbors and they're all saying, well, 
you know what? They got a nice house. They have a nice car. They go on vacation once a year. You know, occasionally you see friends going over there and you see that everybody seems to be doing okay. They've even got a dog and a cat. And meanwhile, you know, um, it, it, the hell that is going on behind those doors never gets talked about until um, Johnny tries to shoot the cat. Or, you know, he accidentally stabs his friend in a fit of rage because his friend wouldn't sell him more mescaline. Or that's when the cracks of our original home start showing. These, these childhood wounds are the, I should say, the number one source, not the invitation, the curiosity. Curiosities too, because those wounds just think about it when an animal is wounded it doesn't have antibiotics it doesn't have a doctor nearby to help it it mm -hmm. has no way of suturing the wound itself so a lot of times the wound stays open and it festers and sometimes it gets worse and little children are like that too when they have and this can be and i'm talking about the office of exorcism i'm talking about deliverance when you have people that have these festering wounds at 30 40 50 60 I mean, I can't tell you how many cases I've got right now. The women are over 50 years old and have never talked to anybody about the rape that occurred before they were seven years old. Mm -hmm. This is the wound that invites the oppression. And what do I mean by that? Having something that colors everything you see, every relationship you have, draws a big target around you. I, I call it chum to the sharks. You're basically the walking blood for the sharks of the air. And what do I mean by sharks of the air? For your friends to attack you. For your, your spouse to let you down. For your children to dump you. You are literally um, opening up for everything to continue to be what you believe yourself to be, which is nothing worthless, useless. And that's what happens with these childhood wounds. And then double that with, okay, remember we were talking at the beginning of the show, uh -huh. you know, how I basically was just, you know, yanked, kicking and screaming right there. Here it is. Come on and play with me, whether you like it or not. So there's many people I know, and I respect them very dearly that have had these experiences yet. It's not that they don't have the strength. It's that they're called to a different facet of helping people in deliverance, but not getting in the same room with someone that has three, five, 10, 20, a hundred oppressions that they're fighting right now at this moment. So their experiences, God gives us, you know, he doesn't call those people that are already qualified. He, call, he qualifies those right on the line when he wants them. And I, I, I see that the wounds in these people that think that, yeah, I need to be a deliverance. I need to, you know, um, join a team. I need to be an exorcist and I need to go get that course and I need to do this. And I need, that may not be the best thing for them. Uh -huh. And the reason I say this is because when we are driven by past hurts and they're not healed, we leave ourselves open for a little oppressions to get in and depress us, confuse us, cause chaos. So it's, it's a fine line between discernment, which is meaning to sift, you know, what it is, where it is that we're called and the discernment of how can I take what I've been given and instead of allowing it to completely destroy my life, how can I take this and make it a gift for someone else? How can I fertilize someone's garden with it? Understanding. Understood. Got it. Yeah. You know, one of the rules for uh, ghost hunters when we do go out uh, on investigation is that if you're feeling ill or you have some kind of, you know, ailment, maybe you're not mentally like together, you're not allowed to go. Exactly. That is really, that's a really good point because our physical is 
our physical life is it's it's a reflection of our spiritual our supernatural place that we are and uh if you look at and, and that's not for everybody because we're not we're not getting out of this life alive kids hate to tell you not one of us i don't care what you do how healthy you are how you you know you suck beet juice every morning and you drink your apple cider vinegar at night we're not getting out of here alive okay so don't think don't, don't think that's going to happen what we do have to think though is we have to think we have been given these physical senses for a reason not all of us listen to them and many times when we are um, thinking that we're supposed to do something so passionately it may be that the dark side is calling us and it is not the passion of god calling us to really jump in and fully realize the gifts we've been given if that makes any sense it does now i was just going to ask you too when you go out and somebody calls you yes for consultation mm -hmm. you've got to have a heck of a questionnaire or follow a set of questions <laughs> and stuff before you even oh go out and mess with it well you know, you know that's a that's a really good question because whether we are doing deliverance or exorcism the questionnaire is similar and in a sense it's more intense for exorcism but it's basically the same and it's not so much do i have a lot of questions for them in order to get the bottom line because as in anything, if you think homicide detective, if you think scientific analysis, in order to get to the source, you have to look at the proof. What proofed it? What what was the yeast that raised this loaf? Mm -hmm. And it's, sometimes it's not always easy. I've got a, a couple cases like this that are ongoing. We may never know what invited it. We may never know if it was a curse unless, you know, it proves fruitful on down the line. So to back up and tell you a bit about what i do here charlotte is before i will ever step foot in someone's home or i will ever meet with somebody and call in um chris or steve or any of the people that i use i want to spend time with them one-on-one -on -one for a minimum of an hour to get a full background now what do i mean by a full background and as a matter of fact um, I have a friend of mine and, and she's texting me right now. She's like, Lori is saying, don't forget to talk about your haunted because I wrote a book on haunted investigations to keep people safe because I understand that there is a need. There is a void that people could be stepping into and doing and they could be helping with. So I wrote haunted investigations. It is going to be going, I pray to the editor fairly soon. And it, it outlines what I've always done with people. And that is to take an empathetic professional approach as if I were approaching, you know, God's cousin or, you know, his child. Because when you step into the realm of supernatural oppression, infestation, chances are not only are you going to have unusual occurrences but you're also going to have a very mortally emotionally wounded person that may not even know how wounded they are so what is that what is the equation of you've got supernatural oppression um, infestation and you've got you know mortal emotional wounds you're talking you know potentially um medications you're mm -hmm. talking potentially um a life of either self-abuse other people abusing them uh, you know, maybe incarcerations. And uh, thank God the majority of them don't have it that seriously. However, the if we look at the pattern of what happens, you know, it's not just, you know, who was your parents and, you know, what kind of medications you have. There's so much more because the number one thing I found in the cases that I get most people cannot remember um, when or who committed a crime against them. 
and the crimes I'm talking about, and I, I pray nobody has children in this room right now. If they do, please take, just get them out of here. I don't want anybody in here under 18, please out of here, out of here, out of here. When you find, and it's, it's really strange too, but the number of women that are possessed are much greater than men. And I'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. And the reason is because women are and have always been in this patriarchal society, we've been throwaway. You can sell us, you can use us, you can rape us, you can beat us, you can tie us up, forget us. And well, you know, in some religious books, you don't give your wife a good beating every day. What kind of husband are you? Mm-hmm. So for years, you know, being nothing more than furniture or chattel, we weren't given a lot of value. And that's just because of our sex. And I'm not being sexist because, you know, men are oppressed too. We're talking about cases and we're talking about doing case histories here. Uh And I'm telling you that if you're thinking about doing this and if you're thinking about attempting to do background on people that cannot remember a molestation, they cannot remember um, specific chunks of their childhood, that's not normal. That is not normal at all. Most people remember their birthdays. Most people remember what happened here and here and here. And in, you know, their brother's and their sister's birthday. I never knew it wasn't normal to block out, like lose whole years of your life until, gosh, I think it was just before I had my first kid. And and I was talking to the priest there and he said, no, that's not normal at all. So, when we have to do intensive interviews, which means the first hour resulted in us taking the history, which included, you know, childhood history, um, early childhood development into adolescence. Between early childhood and adolescence are some of the most dangerous times for both girls and boys as far as being hurt, raped, used, sold, um, uh, traded, um, basically just used like common garbage uh-huh. that they don't remember and that they will swear they've had the best parents in the world and they've had the happiest family in the world. And, you know, I don't know why this is happening to me. And then as we go through and we find out, um, they tried to commit suicide at 18. You know, they got married in a rush at 17. It lasted two years. They had three abortions when they were 20. Something isn't adding up with this picture. This is not the picture of a person that came from a secure, happy household that was making healthy choices. So in that sense, what we're looking at is somebody that is basically telling me what I want to hear for the first hour, Charlotte, as we kind of spoke before, that's very, very common because they all want us to know, oh yes, this is wonderful and this is great and this is great. And I'm just having, you know, this little knocking on the doors and, you know, I'm just smelling some things and something fell off the wall. There's always more to it. And in cases like this, where we uncover so many inconsistencies, I need to take another hour with them to find out. And Ken and I always used to say, it's like peeling back the layers of an onion (laughs) because every single layer is going to expose something deeper, possibly something darker, something that they may not want to share. (laughs) And there's a lot of shame associated with molestation. There's a lot of shame associated with people that have been used and abused. And there is a great, um, for whatever reason in this country, in this world we live in, people think that, oh, so you were raped. Well, what'd you do to deserve it? Uh-huh. What'd you do to earn that? What, what did you do? And I've even seen it among some people that work on deliverance teams. Well, you know, the way she acts, you know, it's no, I've actually seen this kind of attitude. It is unhealthy and it is unreasonable to attempt to serve another if you cannot put yourself at least in another's shoes. And this is one of the reasons in haunted investigations, I discourage people from getting on teams just basically because you think, oh, I want to help somebody. Well, you know, I had this experience. Charlotte, you and I both know we cannot take somewhere 
someone, any person, man, woman, we can't take them where we, we have not been. We can't, we just can't do it. We have to give them to somebody else. And that's what I tell the men that get a hold of me. At some point I have to tell them, I am a woman. You are a man. I can only help you so far. And I have to connect you with another man that can understand your masculinity, your overview of the world as a man. I can't think, I can't see through a man's eyes. Mm -hmm. I can only see through a female's eyes. So, and that this applies in investigation too. And when you're trying to do intakes of people, I can recognize a thousand different little indicators that this is not somebody's choice. And on the same hand, we can also see during the second interview what they thought that we weren't paying attention to and <laughs> tell us the truth about because it happens every time over and over and over. So in that sense, the, uh, the focus has to be on uncovering, uncovering things like you want them to focus on the bigger picture. So if they're missing times and they're missing years and they're missing places, Swiss cheese memory, you're going to want to find out, okay, well, you know, let's go through the other relatives in your household or in close households that may have had similar experiences. Because in my office, if it's gotten to me, chances are it's pretty dark. It's not just a common, it's not a common ghost that can be prayed away and that people can offer masses for, or they can, you know, get their priest to give them some holy water and exercise salt and they can pray and seal the house up because I want you to know, everybody that's listening, if you're new to this concept, you yourself have more legal authority and right to bless and exercise your own home. Okay, because it is yours. You are paying rent on it. You have the authority over this property and you are fully licensed by God to take care of yourself and get rid of any demons, any minions of demons, any of those little tribal buggers, any cockroaches, get rid of them. And then when it gets too bad, they call people like me and say, is there something really going on here? Or is the person imagining things? Are they having hallucination? And I'm not sure if you guys have this out where you're at, but this is really, it's pretty sad out here in Missouri. I'm sure you saw the, what was it? Maybe four or five years ago, the case out in Florida of the, the person that was eating flesh, eating somebody's flesh on mm -hmm. the street. And they, okay. Well, you're aware of that for viewers that don't know, when we're doing an intake, we have to find out what's going on right now. And the any drug use. People don't think that smoking bath salts is drug use. People that huff don't think that's drug, drug use. It just doesn't occur to them that that's drug use. It just, it was a one-time thing. But they've got palsy and they, they've got the eyes that roll back. And, you know, there's so many different things associated with something that simple. <laughs> it's just it's just crazy. So, yeah, people that smoke bath salts sometimes never get over it. And it really resembles an actual step in possession. Kind of crazy, huh? Along this line, um, you know, we were talking about people able to self-bless their house and everything that she's thinking about. What if somebody lives in an apartment? Oh, my goodness. That's that's even better. I mean, you have an apartment. You don't have to worry about the yard. <laughs> you have every. Oh, OK. The same concept goes, as we know. OK, your little minions, demons that are hanging out in the air around the outside. They're legalists. They're not allowed to touch you unless for whatever reason you invite them in on the rare occasion that it's permissible by God. Somebody curses you and say, oh, I hate you and I wish this and I wish that. God has to permit it. In other words, he wants you closer to him. If you're in an apartment, you do the same thing. You seal your entrances, seal your doors with holy water. You use your exercised incense 
and smoke the whole place. All right, you bind it away, leave the door open, and you seal it. Take your St. Benedict medals, put them on the doors, put them on the windows. I also sell a book on house blessings. It's currently not available, but it's very easy to do, people. It's very easy. And this applies to, let's say you're on the road with your family or your friends. Your car ought to be blessed and dedicated to the one that is in charge of you, whether that's Satan or God. Let's, you know, look at it. When you go and you say, okay, I need a hotel room. It's $80, it's $150, whatever. You are paying, you are legally having a contract to take yourself and your intentions into that spot. Does that mean that, you know, the person that was there the night before that was murdered and carried off yesterday afternoon is not going to have some kind of residual ugliness or evil? No, that doesn't. It might be there depending on how hot of a spot that was for drugs, for child prostitution, pornography. You want to bless that room. Every single hotel room that you pay for, you need to bless it and you need to seal it with the hand of God. You do it. You take authority. And not every room is going to be problematic. But why take that chance? Mm-hmm. Why take that chance? I mean, as it is, okay, as humans are, we don't sleep anyway. And we go to a hotel room, we darn sure aren't going to get any sleep. Do we want the interruption of extra things coming in and waking us up and going, can't breathe? No, 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 no. Let's just bless everything. Cool, cool, cool. I have a question from the chat room again. Oh, great. Can I say hi to a couple people in the chat room? Go ahead. Go for it. Okay, I just wanted to say hi. Marissa, Trisha, Richard, Colin, and Tony the Emperor is in there and Lori too. And I know there's lots more of you. I think I have a friend from Pennsylvania that might still be in there, Sean. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, thanks, Charlotte. I got a question from Pamela. How do you get rid of what's already in your home? Oh, good one. All right, um, let, let's let's look at our home, okay? When was the last time you actually blessed the house? She says it's already in the home. So I'm going to assume, okay, for all intents and purposes, that you have just bought a home, rented a home, and there's something already there. And you don't know it, okay? You don't think to bless the house because it looks nice, it feels nice. You don't know it until people start arguing. Smells start happening. Maybe things are moved from room to room and nobody knows who moved what. Maybe tempers start flaring. Maybe things fall in the middle of the night and you thought they were secure. And you're starting to think, well, what's going on here? But you don't know. And maybe out of the corner of your eye, you see something black in the hallway. You're like, what am I seeing? Because you just don't know. So how do you remove it? First off, you have to know 100% that this battle between God and evil, all the wonderful little demons that are hanging out here pretending to be your besties, already been won. So if you have that going for you, you take authority and uh, walk through your whole house. I would suggest always getting... You can go in any Catholic church and go get free holy water, okay? You don't buy it. Because if you buy it, you lose the blessing. And people say, what about all these Catholic sites that sell blessed salt and bless them? They're usually selling the salt. They're not selling the blessing. They're like, you're buying the salt, okay? But you can't buy a blessing. So get go to walk into any Catholic church, get yourself some free holy water, and you crack a window, open a door, and you start at the front, and you say, in Jesus' name, I cast out all you spirits, all you agents of evil, all you critters from hell, get out of my house. And you walk into every room, every closet, every attic space, okay? If you have a crawl space, throw some under there. In Jesus' name, I cast you out. Walk through the whole house. Make the sign of the cross over that window or door. Slam it and go, goodbye, leave me alone. Now, okay, you might think, okay, I'm going to have a good night's sleep. But guess what? You invite your friend over that, you know, just went and got her tarot card reading. What has that just done? 
that's just invited all her friends to come that she didn't even know she was bringing your house. So something may start up again. Be prepared to bless your house on a regular basis. It's not going to hurt. It's really not going to hurt at all. If you think that you have something that you cannot handle, I guarantee you, you probably can. It's lying to you. It is lying to you that you cannot handle it. Hmm. Yeah, we can handle anything. Yeah. Awesome. What about generational curses? Oh, wow. That's a hot topic. People are just going to love me talking about. Okay. <laughs> generational curses. Now, as we know, for all you fabulous Christians out there, when you choose baptism, that water, being born of water, breaks the curse of Adam and Eve. Now, Adam and Eve committed lots of sins, and there were lots of things. When they were removed from the Garden of Eden, many gifts that God had given to them gratuitously were lost. Mm -hmm. When... The earth was propagated. They had and they carried the curse of Adam and Eve. Baptism was instituted to stop that. However, we have to remember that the Prince of Air is the Prince of the Thorn. He's there to stick you. So, what a generational curse is an instance, since it's not really quite... It's not a curse that you kind of carry in a handbag with every, every, you know, kid and generation and grandkid and everything. A generational curse is like somebody left the donuts out uh -huh. for the kid and the same donuts are sitting there for the grandkid and the same donuts are sitting there for the great grandkid. And that is a really rotten analogy because some people, you know, just don't like donuts. <laughs> but how about, you know, seriously, how about alcohol? How about pornography? How about uh, um, sadism, sadism and masochism? Um, how about, you know, overindulgence in, in just about anything? Um, how about, you know, racketeering, stealing, lying, um, cheating? These are the generational curses that people fight. And what are they? People think, well, you know, it's not so bad to steal from the boss. Or, well, you know, we all make these excuses when we're stupid. We make these excuses and they just open the crack a little bit wider to get a couple more in because they never travel alone. So this is the real generational curse. It's a generational temptation. Like I can look at my family. And I can see that alcoholism with a big A is right there. And I love my whiskey. But I know that if I don't have it in moderation, I'll be easier to every single day. I, I could see myself. <laughs> it wasn't going to destroy my liver. And I didn't know that that temptation is there. Mm -hmm. And the more that you know about your family and about the things that brought down your mom and dad or your grandparents, when you... When you learn, you can pray against them. You can say, you know what? I don't need that, God. I don't need to be attached to that. I don't need to try that. I don't have to have that in my life. And I think that's the most important thing that we have to remember is that a curse is not so much a stamp that you have to bear this. It is, it's that thorn in our side that says God's more important and we don't need that. That's awesome. You know what, Farrah, this hour blew by. It totally did, didn't it? Completely blew by. This was incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I am so honored to be here. Thanks so much. It was so nice to talk to you and everybody tonight. I bet my friend, I bet everybody in the chat room would like her to come back sometime, huh? You guys <gasps> want her to come back? Woohoo! <laughs> Do they if want me wants. back? You guys want to you guys want to see her again? Yep, I got I got some I gotta bring her back. See? Woohoo! All so right. Well, let's, come uh, back to us someday. Give, give them give them a chance to forget me and call me back. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Thank you. This was wonderful. I learned a lot. Oh, great. That's what it's all about. Learn a lot, right? So we gotta yes, learn from each other. I love to share what I do and what I know with people. How can people find you? 
Well, if you are looking for books, like I wrote, I wrote books with my husband, you can find us at swordsofstmichael.org because mm -hmm. we have got the Catholic, the Christian demonologist, the workbooks, the study guides. Um, the, the haunted investigation is not out yet. Um, we have haunted help that's on there. Also, um, for people that want to take time for devotionals like prayer and uh, possibly maybe wear something that they may may have a special devotion to them, they can find me at prayersbythebead.com. I'm also on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm not on there frequently enough, but however, you can find me on my YouTube channel too that I do, swordsofstmichael.org or swordsofstmichael here on YouTube is a regular formation program. I am currently working on a book on narcissism and I'm starting a new series. So there's a number of places that you can find me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And uh, I, I, I look forward to, if, if, you're, if you're willing to join us again, I would love oh, to do yeah. it. Oh yeah. I'm going to bring in popcorn so I can throw it at the screen next time. There you go. Sponges <laughs> like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes, exactly. Maybe we can do the time. War. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> okay we lost it now time to yeah cover. we're done we're done with it we're not even drinking wine yet but we're done i with know it. it's not it's not it's five o'clock somewhere but we're behaving aren't we that's it we're behaving all right farah thank you so much all right thank you all god bless take care people have a good evening all right bye-bye all right guys that was really fun um I, i'd love to have her on again at some point maybe she will come on uh, if you like the show, share it. We're trying to build our numbers up for the show. So share it with five people. Let people know about us. For those of you that came in uh, to haven't, haven't seen the show before, I encourage you to check out our YouTube site because uh, we, we've got uh, 38 shows on there and uh, there's a lot of varying topics that, that, that you would be interested in. So go ahead and check that out. And we're looking for you know uh, followers on YouTube. If, if you want to follow me, I like being followed. Not, you know, not follow and follow, but you know what I mean. And, uh, yeah, because we're trying to get the word out about this show. So I really appreciate if, if you would share it. If you didn't like it, share it. Anyway, share it with your enemies. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming. Monday, we've got a great guest coming on. We're going to put my, I'm going to put my journalism hat on Monday. And we're going to be talking about animal rights and not just chickens and stuff like that. We're going to be talking about kangaroos and, and wild animals. So come on in for that show. Same time, same place. Anyway, I thank everybody for being here. And I will see you guys on Monday. Have a great one. <laughs>